0: The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through.
1: This is Bloomberg Daybreak Europe for this Friday, the 9th of June, in London. Coming up today...
2: Under pressure, the world's biggest banks pull back from hedge fund manager Crispin Odie.
1: A first for a former US president. Donald Trump is charged over his refusal to return classified documents.
2: Closer ties, but no trade deal. Sunak leaves the US with something, but is it enough?
3: Meta's land grab and getting career advice from a rom-com. Those are the stories we're looking at in today's papers. I'm James Wilcock. Plus,
1: City in an FX. The banking giant dismantles its foreign exchange strategy team. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak Europe. The business news you need to start your day in just one 15-minute podcast. On Apple, Spotify, the Bloomberg Business app, and everywhere you get your podcasts. Good morning, I'm Stephen Carroll.
2: And I'm Lizzie Burden. Here are the stories we're following today. Some of the world's largest investment banks are distancing themselves from hedge fund manager Crispin Odie after the Financial Times published fresh allegations of sexual assault against him. you Ewan Potts reports.
3: Morgan Stanley, JP Morgan and Goldman Sachs are all said to be reviewing their links with ODI Asset Management. That's after fresh allegations against hedge fund manager Crispin Odie emerged. He's accused of sexually assaulting a number of women over several decades. Bloomberg understands the Financial Conduct Authority is in the midst of a two-year investigation into the asset manager, which may be widened to encompass the latest allegations. Odie Asset Management says it does not recognize the picture painted by the FT's reports, and a law firm representing Odie told the FT he strenuously disputes the allegations. In London, I'm Ewan Potts, Bloomberg Daybreak Europe.
1: Donald Trump has been charged over his alleged refusal to return classified documents found at his Florida home. The indictment filed in Miami is the first time a former president has been charged with committing federal crimes. In a video posted on his Truth Social platform, Trump denied any wrongdoing.
0: I'm an innocent man. We will prove that
2: again. Seven years of proving it and here we go again. Very
0: unfair, but that's the way it is.
1: The indictment against Trump was filed under seal and contains seven charges. Bloomberg understands that they include willful retention of national defence information, uh, conspiracy to obstruct justice and making false statements. The former president is expected to appear in a federal court in Miami on Tuesday.
2: Rishi Sunak is heading back to the UK after a two-day visit to Washington. The UK Prime Minister returns with President Biden's backing for his efforts on artificial intelligence and agreements for closer economic cooperation to shore up green industries and supply chains. Sitting alongside Biden, Sunak had this to say on the ties between the two nations.
3: Our economies are seeing perhaps the biggest transformation since the Industrial Revolution as new technologies, provide incredible opportunities, but also give our adversaries more tools for harm. Um, But one thing I know won't change, I'm confident won't change, is the strength of our partnership, our friendship.
2: However, despite the warm words between Sunak and Biden, a trade deal between the two countries still is elusive. The US administration put previous talks on ICE and has shown no sign of wanting to resurrect them.
1: China's producer prices contracted further in May, while consumer prices increased only slightly. Bloomberg's Brian Curtis has more from Hong Kong. The CPI rose just 0.2
0: percent from a year earlier, matching estimates. But it's the PPI that is more worrisome. It declined 4.6 percent in May, far worse than the 3.6 percent drop in April. And it was down more than expected as well. We're hearing more and more calls for added stimulus, such as a cut in interest rates. Both the onshore and offshore RMB weakened on the news. In Hong Kong, Brian Curtis, Bloomberg Daybreak Europe.
2: Citigroup is said to have dismantled its global team that provides commentary and analysis on foreign exchange markets. Sources say all jobs within the FX global FX strategy team are affected. Citigroup's understood to have made the change because other parts of the bank are offering similar services.
1: And Ukraine's new tanks and fighting vehicles from Western allies are beginning to appear on the battlefield. Photos appear to show German-made leopard tanks and US Bradley fighting vehicles pushing toward a town in Ukraine's occupied south. President Biden says he wants to continue to support the war effort in the country.
0: I believe we'll have the funding necessary to support Ukraine as long as it takes. And uh, I believe that, uh, that support will be real, even though there are you hear some voices today on Capitol Hill about whether or not we should continue.
1: Biden's administration has so far donated military aid worth more than $8 billion to Ukraine. It remains unclear whether this week's operations are Kyiv's long-awaited counteroffensive or part of an effort to expose weak spots in Russian defences. Those are our top stories on the programme this morning. Lizzie, I don't know if you've had a chance to read today's Bloomberg Big Take about artificial intelligence. Um, Really interesting look at the text-to-image generative AI technology. Bloomberg analysing 5,000 of these images using the stable diffusion platform. Uh, This is something that you put text prompts in, it generates an image for you. This confirming what anecdotally we'd been talking about for quite a while, about the biases that exist in AI. Really frightening reading, in fact.
2: Yeah, it's an incredible graphics piece this, and actually it shows that things are worse than reality. More racist, more sexist. In this, in the eyes of AI, you've got uh, the world run by white male CEOs, men with dark skin committing crimes, and women with dark skin flipping burgers. I think it's just really scary when some experts in generative AI reckon that as much as 90% of content online could be AI generated within the next few years.
1: Yeah, something that is already, we're starting to see- an application of this kind of technology from the likes of Adobe or NVIDIA, it's starting to power the ads we watch and the fact that this exponential growth is predicted makes this uh, all the more worrying, but a very interesting piece and as Lizzie said, well worth checking out uh, on Bloomberg Online or on the Terminal. Well, let's get more now on that news that Donald Trump has been indicted over his refusal to return classified documents found at his Florida estate. Our EMEA News Director Roslyn Matheson is with us in the studio this morning. Good morning to you, um, Ros. C- can you give us an idea of what's in the- this indictment and how significant this step is.
4: We're actually expecting to get more of the details later today when that indictment may be unsealed. What we do know is there are seven aspects to it. And what it really involves, of course, is the fact that there were multiple, multiple classified documents found scattered around Donald Trump's personal ha- houses and resorts uh, well after he ceased being President of the United States. Uh, and we know that they're related to documents around defence, security primarily, relationships with other countries and so on. But we're expecting to hear more about exactly what that involves today. We're expecting that Donald Trump will have to show up uh, in a court as soon as Tuesday. From there it's a bit unclear about what happens for exactly how long this might be until there is a proper criminal case against him, whether he has to appear in court while he's on the on the trail to become president again. Of course he has uh, thrown his hat into the ring to be the Republican nominee for 2024 so it becomes at a really, really sensitive time in the political calendar also in the US. Yeah,
2: surely the likes of Ronda. Sun to rub in their hands
4: well, that's the thing, of course, like, he has actually used this to energise his base, some of these cases against him, civil cases, potential other criminal cases, and he's really rallied his supporters and he's leading at the moment in opinion polls quite some way ahead of people like Ron DeSantis, who has struggled so far to get his campaign off the ground. The question is, like, it really doesn't do anything beyond ex- energising his existing base going forward. If these cases really get murky and drag into the campaign, do you see more moderate? Republicans drifting away from him and towards what seems to be a really, really big Republican field already to get that primary nomination for president in 2024. So do you see it splintering the Republican base? Um, Of course, his hardcore supporters will always support him no matter what. But does it mean that those other supporters move away to other candidates?
1: Yeah, very interesting to get the context on that news around Donald Trump, but turning to a different story in the US that we've been watching, of course, the meeting between the British Prime Minister, Rishi Sunak, and President Joe Biden. Uh, they agreed to open negotiations on a trade pact during this minister this visit by the Prime Minister to Washington, but the scope of these talks falls well short of a, a free trade agreement. Um, Ros, what should we take away from what we heard from those two leaders, Where is this cooperation going to focus on and and what sort of effect could it have?
4: We can see there's actually quite a good relationship between Rishi Sunak and Joe Biden. They've met quite a bit in recent months. There's a bit of a natural rapport going on. So quite clearly, the US president was trying to give Rishi Sunak something he could come back with to the UK and sell uh, to his party and to the British people because, of course, again, there's been a failure to get a proper sort of runway for a UK-US trade agreement. And that's something that's really been promised uh, through the Brexit period and beyond. And so you've got a bunch of deals that have been packaged up into one for them to announce, you know, perhaps some greater access for British companies to get subsidies and other goodies under the Inflation Reduction Act, perhaps an access uh, for British defence contractors to US deals and so on. And that's not to be minimised, of course, but it's not the trade deal. Uh, and those things sort of add up to, to some progress. But really, it's it, there's a clear indication really from the White House that they're not interested in engaging in full-throated uh, FTA talks with the UK, certainly not again when Joe Biden's coming into a election season. So a reflection of the warmth of that relationship. uh, But but Sunak didn't get what he wanted from this.
2: Yeah, not the trade deal and all, but name that UK officials were talking about behind the scenes. I wonder how this package of initiatives compares to what the US has given to other countries and the EU as well.
4: Well, that's right. They have given other countries some similar things, including Australia, for example, on the defence side. So you're seeing, again, that AUKUS grouping um, come together in different ways. Um, And the EU, of course, has had some potential benefits from the IRA in terms of also access for their companies to subsidies and so on, although the EU would argue they've got nothing like uh, what the UK has. So certainly there is that that one-on-one relationship, that special relationship that surfaces from time to time uh, between the UK. And the U.S. and is you know really back on track. You would imagine after the Boris Johnson administration. But again, it's just not the level of the of the full throated FTA talks that the British government is seeking. And as as far as they can sell it, they 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 just can't say that they've gotten what they wanted.
1: Okay, Rosalind Matheson, our EMEA news director. Thanks so much for joining us with the details uh, on those stories. Lizzie, I know this is a visit that you were watching very closely as well. Um, I wonder what you took away from kind of watching Rishi Sunak and, and Joe Biden yesterday.
2: Well, it's interesting that Roz should say that the special relationship is back on track post Boris Johnson. I mean, it's hard not to beat the lows of the Johnson and Trust years when it comes to the special relationship. And as Roz says, there is actually a natural rapport. It's better than before. Remember, uh, Joe Biden got Rishi Sunak's name wrong. Well, this time he called him the president. But I thought it was quite funny the way he picked up after that. In fact, Sunak said that their wives have met so often in recent months, Uh Even though uh, this was the first official trip to Washington, the leaders have met five times now, uh, their their wives have been doing spin class together. But I'll leave the political spin jokes to you,
0: (laughs) Stephen.
1: Thanks, Lizzie. Uh, Up next, Meta's land grab and getting career advice from a rom-com.
0: The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum, powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Carter Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media. Cutter and Premier Sponsor QNB join heads of state, influential ministers, and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at CutterEconomicForum.com.
3: Now the paper review
0: on
1: Bluebird Daybreak Europe: the news you need to know from today's papers.
2: James Woolcock joins us now for a look at what's in the papers. James. Are we Paris is being talked about in the Times, please explain.
3: I mean, I would love to, Lizzie, but I mean, it's a difficult one because it comes from a French tourism board, Choose Paris Region, and they have the numbers to back this up. They say of all the bankers who are leaving London to move to mainland Europe, uh, most are going to Paris. 5,500 jobs have moved there versus, say, Frankfurt, which is the next biggest with 1,800. The weird part is they're putting a lot of it down to Netflix series, Emily in Paris, which they're saying has changed perceptions and made people think that they would rather, if they were moving to Europe from London, move to Paris because it would be more fun, sexier, and is changing opinions about French people being rude than, say, move to Frankfurt. Stephen, uh, as a 10-year resident of Paris,
1: do you agree with that? I mean, I, d- I d- uh, sure, why not? But I, I think that they're... Even without Emily in Paris, I think most people probably have a more glamorised image of Paris than they do of Frankfurt, which is also a lovely city, it has to be said. But Look, it's interesting that they're leaning into the stereotypes. There's loads of criticism of Emily in Paris about how it presents a, a disney version of the city and doesn't expose some of the problems that exist in, in lots of big cities, but also, you know, things like homelessness that are very, very much visible in Paris, uh, not, of course, featured in a Netflix series. I have
2: to say, the worst character in Emily in Paris was the banker. <laughs> so why anyone would want to model themselves on the British banker in Paris, I have no idea. And
3: the other side of it, right, is I went and looked up Bloomberg's housing track and thinking maybe it's the price. Is, well, it must be the culture in the Netflix series because Paris uh, per square meter is eleven thousand one hundred and thirty-four euros, mm-hmm. whereas London is still uh, also in euros eight thousand three hundred and forty-six. So but, it's it's cheaper to stay in London, but I guess to, if you're going to have to, to buy move.
1: yes, except there are small apartments are generally smaller in Paris. So See, if, you're for, if you're looking this for you're looking for somewhere to live, it can be more affordable uh, to buy somewhere to live in in central Paris than would be in central London. Anyway, that is quite enough about uh, that particular story. Let's go to the. F- FT next, and they're reporting on North Sea oil. Yes, and this is an interesting one as we head up to the
3: election, because the Labour Party have said it will end new gas and drilling licences in the North Sea. But the FT are writing about how Rishi Sunak's government are planning to put in a flaw on their levy on oil and gas producers. So what this is, is there is a windfall tax currently on profits in the oil and gas industry. But as energy prices have dropped down, they are potentially suggesting, uh, this is according to people familiar who briefed the government's plans to the FT, that there would That would fade away once energy prices reached a certain level. Now, I don't mean to criticise the FT. You know, they are a very well-respected organisation. I talk about them a lot in the papers. But Joe Mays had the story back in March. So, Bloomberg's uh, Joe Mays. Exactly. So you could have read that uh, his reporting on that months ago, I will say. But what's fascinating here is where this goes next. Because even if this floor goes away now, I found it fascinating to read Gary Smith, General Secretary of the GMB Union, uh, last month urged Starmer to keep drilling, saying that actually the UK will keep on needing these resources. So expect this deal and where North Sea oil goes spin on and on and on, even after the announcement that is set to come very shortly.
2: And finally, James, let's just look at the Wall Street Journal. They have the inside story on Meta's internal meetings.
3: Yes, and they are apparently planning to launch a Twitter clone very soon. I went onto The Verge who had the screenshots of it. It looks remarkably similar. Uh, and Meta's chief product officer, Chris Cox, told apparently employees internally their main goal is to, quote, run it more sanely than uh, Twitter. And so this is that big move of elon musk has taken over twitter and now a uh, big rival see as a chance to muscle in also brought up in that in meeting lizzie apart from just the twitter nerds like me and other journalists ai and their response to what they're going to do about apple's big new vr headsets they meta want to do one that is worth five hundred dollars versus apple's three thousand five hundred dollars so you can see the different way the markets are going there
2: Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say Amazon, play Bloomberg 1130. I'm Lizzie Burden.
1: And I'm Stephen Carroll. Join us again tomorrow morning for all the news you need to start your day, right here on Bloomberg Daybreak Europe.
0: The countdown has begun from May 14th to 16th,